for me, the word of God is just life for me. But in the word, it says, renew your mind daily, right? So what that, so, but we, we recognize that no matter if you're doing motivational speaking, whether you're a Buddhist or whatever you are, a monk, they all know that the mind is the battlefield and you have to renew your mind and what you put into your mind, what you eat in your mind is what you're going to get out. And foundationally, we have not been teaching our young people enough how to renew their minds and stabilize their minds. And, you know, knowing something intellectually, but knowing it in your heart and knowing it as a belief will change how you do it. And if I really believed and understood the magnitude of this when my son was two and three, even though I knew his mind is a sponge and his brain is a sponge. But if I really understood, it's not just a concept, it's a truth that your brain, if I had actually gotten the teaching on the brain, how it changes, the neuroplasticity of the brain and how it changes when you have a negative thought to a positive thought and our brains can renew itself, I know I would have done some things differently. And so we have to, even right now in this moment, take the time and I say, mind your mind. You're going to start seeing me really speaking on this more. Minding your mind. What is your mindset? What are you putting into your mind? And I say to anybody listening, do a mind fast. Do a fast. What are you listening to? What are you speaking? What are you watching? And then what are you thinking about? Write it down. And and even... You know, we could be talking something real positive right now, but is what I'm saying lining up to what I'm doing in the day? You're listening to The Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, and I've dedicated my entire life to helping people win. Win in their careers, win in their businesses, and win in their lives. This podcast is going to help you get on your grind and hustle to create the life that you love and walk in gratitude along the journey. Each episode, I'll teach you tools and tactics and bring you conversations with experts that will help you turn your passion into a thriving online business. Life isn't about wishing for something greater. It's about making it happen. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it. Welcome to the Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, also known as Coach Stone. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much. If you've been listening for a while, you know I got love for you. On this episode, I am bringing you a very special guest. Now, you guys know when I bring you guests, they're always people that I know is is going to add value to you. I know they're going to drop some gems. I know they're going to give you some information to help you level up your life and your business. But let me get into this, a little bit of my guest bio. I had to shorten it because it's just too long. It's too long. Okay. So the first thing is uh, she is a professional event planner, an inspirational speaker, a podcast host, an activist, a producer, She's multifaceted. She does so many different things. She works for the advancement and progression of of her community and prosperity of her community, which I love because I'm all about community activism and community work. In 2020, she launched her podcast called Victory Speaks. 
during the pandemic. So you have no excuses to get going on your stuff. Um, and it's really about providing listeners with the tools to be mentally fit. We're going to talk to her about what that means. In addition, she launched Victory Speaks on, online, her own live show, which I've been fortunate enough to be on. Thank you so much. Where she inspires, has these inspired conversations. More about her. You really have to know this. This is really important. Over her career, she has a number of accolades. And I had to cut this down because in doing the research, it's just way too many. But she has been named one of the 100 Black accomplished Canadian women and highlighted as one of the 150 women in Canada by how she hustles her story in Black series. She's the recipient of the 2020 Brian Birch Community Services Award. I got a lot of love for people who, who do a lot of community services uh, from the Cooperative Housing Federation of Toronto. She has the Outstanding Community Service Award from the Dance Car Carib and the Social Housing Services Corporation Kathleen Blinkhorn Award for Excellence in Volunteerism. I got to announce, and I'm so happy to have my homegirl, Nicole Waldron, on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Danny. That is awesome. Thank you so much for even reading some of my little bio there. Well, it's a great bio. And um, I want to start with uh, Victory Speaks because you decided to launch a podcast during the pandemic, just like me. <laughs> but why did you decide to do that? You know, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, when you put down a dream, don't believe it's really gone because, you know, it will come back up. God has this way of giving you some grace. And so my name, Nicole, means victory of the people. Oh. So I've always had victory in the stuff that I've wanted to do. And um, this was something I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do something where on my victory speaks and my, my speaking a few years ago, and it was called our victory speaks. Couldn't launch it. Couldn't get that. Couldn't even get the, the website. Two o'clock in the morning. Just as, you know, we're into the pandemic, I was like, Victory Speaks. And I went online and it was there and oh. I registered it. And then all of a sudden I couldn't shut up. I was like doing lives. I was just like, I just, I didn't intend to start the show. Um, it just happened. I was just starting to speak. And then one of my iron sharpeners, Coco, she said, Nicole, you gotta, you gotta just keep pressing it. But I just couldn't stop speaking. I would speak from thanking, you know, our frontline workers, you know, acknowledging the work that our politicians were doing. I was really watching, I was in the midst of it. And I think just my natural activism piece of me was like, I just, I just wanted to speak. And then George Floyd happened. And then I just did this piece. I can't breathe. Am I breathing? I literally call it, am I breathing? Wow. And that took legs. Wow. And the Co-op Housing Federation of Canada had actually included that in their black, um, anti-black racism strategy when they sent it out to their thousands of people. So, yeah. Wow. So something that just kind of came to you. I, I think that's a good lesson for people too, because sometimes we get so focused on something and it just doesn't come to us or it doesn't happen the way that we expect, but that opens up the door for something else. I was the same way with the title of my book. Before I called it, you have the keys now drive. I was, I, I had the name chosen before I, I wrote one word. And then as I started to write the book, I'm like, it's absolutely not the title. I don't even remember what the title is anymore. <laughs> so, so I love the fact that you just kind of activated and you took action on it. And 
And so it, it started as you going live and just talking about all these things and sharing this information. How did it evolve into inspired conversations? So that's a really good question. And we always, you know, I recognize that I, I talk to a lot of people and I meet a lot of people. My circle is small, but I meet a lot of people. And this is not my first rodeo in terms of doing like TV or talk. And I was like, why don't I just start? You know, I just started talking to people and interviewing people on the lives. And then I was like, again, it was, a, it was really inspired by, it was an inspirational moment was it's inspired conversations. This is what it is. It, I, you know, when you just know that, you know, I don't think I've ever known that I knew something like this before. And like, when you look at victory speaks, it's, it's literally a sentence. Victory speaks your victory speaks. And so when we speak our victory and we have inspired conversation, it infuses life into others. And whether you're having a good conversation, a bad conversation, if you sit back and, and put perspective, you know, like in, in 2020, this, this, this P word came out, let's pivot. Right. Yeah, so, everyone, but everyone I say, that. I say pivot with perspective. So when you put the perspective of, on it, any conversation could have some inspiration, even the ones that make you cry boohoo or get angry. Um, how can you find the opportunity in any crisis? How can you find the life in it and always speak life? And uh, so the inspired conversations, you know, I just started having the conversations and, and the feedback has been good. And even when I feel I have the imposter syndrome happen and I want to stop, somebody will, somebody will come and say, Nicole, that conversation, or they will send a word or they will send a message or they will type something on the live or on the replay. And I just know, okay, I got to do another one. Yeah. And so now I have more guests in my, on my, in my book than I, I don't even know I have time for. I would have to do it full time to accomplish <laughs> even the guests for, the, for year one. Wow. This would have to be a five-day-a-week show. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, when you had me on the show, I, I really appreciated um, just the questions and the way the conversation flowed. And, and quite a few people hit me up afterwards and they said, wow, that was a really great conversation you had with Good. Nicole. So I want to thank you for that. The imposter syndrome. It comes up for some of us sometimes because we feel that we're someplace that we don't deserve to be. How do you deal with that? Because you just brought it up. You know, how, how do you deal with that feeling like, do I really deserve this or do I belong here? How do you deal with that? I think for me, it has come up for more. One, do I belong here? But even more so, as I said, I've always, as an event planner, I've been an event planner. I've been doing events since I was 16. I'm now 52. Do the wow. math. Okay. Wow. So back in Trinidad, doing events. And, but I always wanted in my twenties, I, I had this vision for doing conferences and, and all this kind of stuff. But then I started looking at how many people were doing conferences. And so I talked myself out of it. And then I started to look at, is my voice really necessary to the noise? not realizing at that time that my voice had its own frequency for its own people. Just like McDonald's is next to Burger King, next to Wendy's, everybody, they're all burgers, That's but right. everybody has a different flavor. And so I have to always remind myself in the midst of the noise, in the midst of, and I, and I shouldn't say, but it's, it's noise. In the midst of the talk and everybody doing podcasts and everybody's releasing a podcast and everybody's releasing a show, you're like, how is my show 
any different, any relevant? Is it necessary? Is it really making a difference in people's lives? And the other part of it is when you're doing talk shows, it's like you have your own radio show. It's, you're doing it for your, you're doing it with, with just like we're doing here, but you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not an event planner. It seems like one of these, oh, just like how people say, not everybody's going to be the basketball star. Not everybody's going to be. So you kind of have to stay so grounded in it that what I'm doing is part of my assignment. So I had to stop and go back to, is this part of my assignment, not just purpose, but is this part of my assignment that have been placed here for? And so when I started linking the dots and looking over my life, the answer is yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think that's, that. I mean, that's a good way to look at it because a lot of people just feel out of place. They feel like they don't belong. They feel lost. They feel like, why am I here? Or why aren't I at another level? We're always thinking about being somewhere else instead of being present, <laughs> you know? And I think when you're having these in conversations, and I'm the same way, this isn't an interview, it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. And when we're having these conversations, how do you stay present when there's so many other things going on? You, you do like 50 million things, right? So how do you stay present with somebody when you're having a conversation with them? I think this is, this, I, this, I, want, I want you to, to say that I, I'm asking this because I know that there's some people right now that have a hard time staying into conversations. They're worried about other things. They're, they want to pick up their phone and scroll. So how do you stay focused on conversations when you're having conversations with people? I had to learn the hard lesson of communication, not listen to talk, listen to hear. And then I really am interested in what somebody has to say. Um, because your story matters. Your story can make the difference in somebody's life. And I've seen that happen. And, and also my iron sharpeners are the reminders. I have some really good iron sharpeners and you're one of my iron sharpeners. You, you, you speak life and like, um, you know, my life, my main life coach, Coco, um, Lorraine Vieira, she, she really, when, when she's coaching me, she says, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. I'm just pulling out of you what you already, who you, who you already are. So that's, I start to talk to her and she reminds me of who I am. Then I'm reminded to remind others of who they are, because no matter what title you may have, um, no matter, no matter how much money you may have, identity can get lost along the way. And we're in an identity crisis in so many of our lives. And COVID has shown the identity crisis because when people were losing their jobs, their jobs were so tied to their identity and not to who they were. So let's get back to the conversation of listening. Who is Danny Stone? What makes Danny Stone who he is? What gave him the courage and the boldness to step into? And that might save the other person from, and I will go this deep. I think it will save the other person from even not wanting to be here anymore. Because I know I've, I've had suicidal ide 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 ideologies, right? And I've known there when I've, I've had the, the identity crisis. I know when I've gone into depression. And so I knew what it is like. And I know what it's like, uh, the importance to have the mentors. And even if you can't have it one-on-one, -on -one, like we're talking right now, sometimes you have to have mentors from a distance. So those important conversations are important. And then I also grew up listening to Oprah. Mm. <laughs> like I have, every, I literally, you know, my family's like, you need to get rid of those Oprah magazines. I'm like, no, nope. 
they have their own their own <laughs> space and if if i if i had the space i would still have all my oprah vhs cassettes oh wow vhs <laughs> that's old school for anybody who doesn't know oh what vhs God. is that's i taped almost thing. every conversation that i was listening to if i couldn't listen to the conversation live i taped those conversations and she showed the relevance of conversation and of listening really hearing what people have to say and don't say yeah oprah's amazing and and you know I just want to kind of touch on something you just said, because, you know, you talked about going through depression and so on, and and you talked about mentors. Was it mentors that helped you get through those, you know, challenging times when it comes to depression? Like, what else did you do to get through that? So two main things um, I would say was my iron sharpeners. And I call my iron sharpeners are like my best friends. Um, the ones who who know you, who who can even when you don't know what is going on yourself, they say something, something's off with Nicole, your voice. And, and a lot of people know my voice. They can tell when I'm not myself by my voice. It's right. my voice is such a giveaway. I can't, I can't even hide <laughs> it. And, and my faith, I tell you, if it wasn't for my faith in God, and if it wasn't for my prayer life and for those praying for me, I had, I have my mom that prays for me, but I also had a spiritual mother mm. that just took me under her wing. And she would like, she would know, she would just pick me up in prayer and she would know whether she had to drop something. And I have those people that just, just know when to say, oh, okay, it's, it's check-in time. Right. And I got no choice, but to, um, even though I do have a choice, but when I don't want to pick up the phone and sometimes I didn't pick up the phone, I'll be, I'll be honest. Sometimes I didn't pick, and they would knew two, three days, she's not picking up the phone. Okay. And so they would just be like, send a text or send a note um, or leave a message on the phone. Um, you know, it was those kind of things. I mean, we didn't have this kind of like iPhone and stuff, you know, much back then, but right. it was leaving those messages. I remember having my phone until I, I changed my phone recently, my home phone. I still have my home phone, but I kept certain messages. Mm. And you know, you would have to save them every 14 days. That's right. So guess what? You kept you saving them every 14 days? You, yeah. I kept them for years and my birthday messages on my birthday. Sometimes I deliberately don't answer my phone so that I would get the messages oh, that I, I could that. listen to those. I messages. love that. I love that. You know, I have certain people that call me on my birthday too, and they, they text me and say, don't pick up. And they leave me these amazing messages. They yeah. sing to me. It's all, yeah. you know, I still have a lot of them and there's certain people that my birthday doesn't start. Until I get that, my birthday doesn't even start until uh, these That's three right. people call me and they call me like early and they leave the message so they know I'm sleeping. And I love it, man. I'm, I'm the same It's your chosen way. day. To me, that's the day you, it, you were, you were chosen. That's the day you were called in to existence. And yeah. so many times I know a lot of people don't like to celebrate their birthdays and I understand why, but when you understand that you were chosen and you're and that you have, if, you know, even if you have one finger, that fingerprint, no one else has it in the world. That's right. So imagine if you have 10 fingers, that's 10 fingerprints. That's different than anybody else in the world. If nothing else mattered to you, like that's like, you just think on the fingerprint and recognize your uniqueness and uh, bam, you're there. So, so where do you get, where do you get this, like this desire to kind of help people and lift people up? Where does that come from? 
Where did, where did, like, were you, were you born like this? Was your family like that? Where did you get this desire to just like, to really want to lift people up and help them kind of step into their greatness and be who they're meant to be? Where's that come from? You know what? It's, it's in the family. It's in the genes. It's in the blood. It's in the spiritual blood and it's in the physical blood. Uh, my mom has always been an inspirational one. My dad too. My dad loves to write poetry. Okay. Um, and my mom would always send us cards. Like she would, she would write a card. She would like send you a greeting card just because, and even when, you know, you weren't there, you would always get a birthday card. But when I remember living here at one point, when they had to go back home, you get a card. So just because, and I loved giving cards. I literally have a, I literally have a container of cards. So my family knows like if they're looking for cards that come to my, Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and you know, so my whole family, like my mom, on my mom's side is like you know back in the day they they made they had children right. So my grandmother had fourteen. Okay. Right. My dad's side was smaller, um, but you know when I look at my mom's oldest sister, she was the first female minister in Trinidad and Tobago. So and she was always advocating, and the whole family has been built on advocacy in some way or the other. So I grew up around like imagine you know at 708 being impressed by sitting in the car with a minister and you're with the prime minister so you're you're in that zone of people just champ and she championed women right so when i when i've been reflecting i realized hold on a second and a lot of people um in my family would say you know your, your aunt and some people say you're an mp and i'm like um um no you're, you're taking it too far now <laughs> don't take it that far let me advocate on this on this side of the hemisphere uh i let some other people go into politics now you can appoint me to be a senator a senator oh okay we got we got a senator in the making here is that know, what we're saying i don't i don't know if i this running for election where you have to go going after the votes that's not me yeah i like championing <laughs> the people from behind the scenes from behind the scenes so yeah. what was life like growing up in trinidad you know trinidad for anybody listening. trinidad and tobago that's right yes. <laughs> we have listeners we have listeners in uh 38 countries so wow damn you know, people may not know what trinidad is but it's just um it's in the Caribbean near Jamaica. Some people might know where that is. Yes. But what, what was it like growing up in Trinidad? You know, well, Trinidad is because a twin island, and it's and it's beautiful. Growing up, you know, especially in the early stages, I was the only child for seven years. So, okay, yeah, my mom has three girls. We're all seven years apart. But so imagine, really, yeah, yeah, I know seven is a really big number, and you'll see it. Victory speaks seven. You'll see at the end of my tagline, it's seven, right? Seven is a number of completion and perfection. Just going to say, drop that in there. So growing up in Trinidad um, was, was fun, especially in the early years. Um, I, I, some people would say I was spoiled. Um, <laughs> well, you're the only one for seven years. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but I had a large, I had lots of cousins. So we were all close and, you know, you know, we were spending time by aunts in different parts of the country and, you know, going fishing and, and swimming and stuff like that. And then going back to my aunt, we used to go to Tobago, which is like an, another wonder of the world. And, and one of my favorite things was to go to Tobago and to go to the, the, um, the coral reef. And then we would go to what is called the Boko Reef, B-U-C-C-O, and which is a pool in the middle of the ocean, the Nylon Pool. Wow. And we would go to the Nylon Pool and we do that all, you know, almost every year. And we would have holidays in Tobago. So it's, it's, uh, it's like the eighth or ninth wonder of the world that few people know about, but imagine just going out on a glass bottom boat, seeing the coral reef, 
and then just standing up in the middle of the ocean with crystal clear blue water around you. So, you know, that's some of the great stuff about, you know, growing up in Trinidad and, you know, it's it's a different culture, you know, uniforms, the British system, Montessori school. It's, it's, it's a very different, different thing. And, and then we have carnival and then we have all the creatives and we, and we invented the steel pan. Right. So I also grew up in a lot of culture around me um, and fashion, you know, Trinidad, Trinidad was built on fashion. So if you look at people like Joan Pierre, you'll see in my life, you know, the fashionistas came out of Trinidad. When you, here's a fun fact about being in the Caribbean, what you wear to work, you don't wear to party, but you wear to work or the party you don't wear to church. But you go to line with, so you had to have an outfit for everything. Everything. <laughs> you had to come correct. You had to come with your jewelry. You have, and it's still, and we're next to Venezuela. We used to do a lot of shopping in Venezuela. So it was a very different time in that place growing up um, back in back in the day. Yeah. So how did you end up in Canada? How did you, uh, you know, how did you end up here? Why did you stay here? Talk a little bit about that whole journey. So my dad actually is edu his 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 major education was in Canada, and um, he came. He wanted to come back out here. I think I was eighteen, and um, and he said, "Okay, we're moving to Canada." We're like, "Okay." And <laughs> um, the funny thing was, he had to go back home within the first year to finish a contract with the government, which we didn't realize. So I was left up here. And I, and I wanted to ch- study child psychology, but I didn't know, I didn't even know about OSAP and stuff like that. Nobody really told me. I got my first job at Metropolitan Life Insurance the first week I was in the country. And wow. I worked there for like 10 years or so. And so, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to navigate the system. And I'm a very, but people don't know about me because they hear me doing interviews and stuff. They think, about, they think I'm an extrovert and I'm an introvert. Okay. And so I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. And um, change is not something that I deal with very well. And going into new places and having, funny enough, having conversations, fun fact, having conversations like you take me to a dinner party or we go, it's not my favorite thing to do. Meeting new people is always not my favorite thing to do because <laughs> then I have to always think about what to say. But in this environment, I can do it so easily. Now, when I'm in the midst of doing it, I flourish, but mm. starting it, I just, just starting it is where I, I have that struggle. So what is yeah. the struggle? What is it that you might say something wrong? They might not like what you got to say. What, what is it? I just that? don't know what to say. Right. Okay. I just don't, I'm just not, a, I'm just not the open, open conversationalist. So right. yeah, I have to really work at conversation. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I I definitely wouldn't have guessed that because uh, I, I see you having a lot of conversations in a lot of places with a lot of people. So I definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have known that. So so tell me. So once you kind of came here and you started to kind of find your way, like at one point, like how did you figure out what it is that you wanted to do? Because you did event planning for a long time. But how did you find out what what you're meant to do? Because a lot of people get stuck and they think that there's just one thing that you're supposed to do in life. And and so they get so locked in on it and they stress over trying to find the one thing. But you've done many different things. So how did you kind of just go with the flow? How did you go from like event planning and do all of these different things? How did that all work out for you? 
but I've always loved events. So as I said, I did events from since I was in Trinidad, just growing around it, doing fashion. I was actually a model in Trinidad doing fashion and then, you know, but always volunteering. So volunteering has always been a baseline for me. Um, I've volunteered at the YMCA in Trinidad since a little girl. Swimming has been my thing. And so then when I came out here, um, I was fortunate enough. I don't even remember how, but I met Joan Pierre and I met Carabana. And I found a place where I can volunteer and do events. Mm. So between meeting Joan Pierre, Bonnie Hector, and Anne-Marie Placid, those three women were running Carabana. And so I volunteered with them and became part of this circle. And because it was so natural for me, I just kept doing it and doing it. So when after I left Metropolitan Life, um, and I had, at that point I had my son, there was a part of me that just wanted to find something where I wasn't thinking about making a lot of money. I was thinking about stability for my son, being a, a single parent. And I wanted to be home when he was home. I wanted to be involved in the schooling. So I said, I love this event planning thing. So I, I, I just tried it. I, I didn't make a lot of money doing it. Right. Uh, people, people look and say, well, she must have made a lot. Of, no, I didn't because we didn't always pay well, especially in our community. We still don't understand the value of event planners and what they do. Right. I was doing event planner in event planning when it wasn't even in the school. Wow. Like I, I learned under like, as I said, some of my mentors, event planning wasn't at any of these schools. You couldn't go and do an event planning course. Right. And so it became a thing. Um, but if, one of the part that evolved to is I recognized that um, I'm a natural speaker and I was advocating and I eventually moved into our, our co-op and volunteered again. That helped me, that helped me going. And so as I was doing my volunteer work, that helped me to figure out the things that I liked. And I just started to move in it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes without even really thinking deep in it. Yeah. Um, the, the challenge was I didn't think deep enough about the money part of it. That because <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I don't work for the money. I work, I work in what I'm passionate about. And right. I know eventually, wherever time it is, the big money will come. And I think it will. Um, I just have to, sh I just have to shift in certain things, but from event planning to the advocacy piece, to walking, to working on all sorts of events, I've worked on all sorts of events. I've worked in publishing. So it's, I just realized it's just things that I just, it, it makes me alive. Like okay. when I, I could be tired yeah. and I come and do the show and I'm alive. Yeah. I could be tired. And even though I may be good at administration, I hate it. <laughs> But when I'm doing an event, I come alive. We can we could we would stay up for hours, not get any sleep, doing a show, planning a show. So it's just something that was it it just evolved. And so this is part of the evolvement of it. And this is just one of the dreams, one of the passions that is now the embers were there, mm. but now somebody has come and thrown a match. <laughs> and, um, and and it's and it's time for my voice to to do what it's called to do. But I love that because, um, you know, I often talk to coaching clients and, and people who I talk to about having the discipline to follow your curiosity. And in life, we sometimes think life isn't linear. It's not straight lines. And I think sometimes we want our life to go a certain way, be married by this age, have 2.3 kids, get my career, retire. Like, and it, life just doesn't work that way. And then there's other times when things pop up in our mind and it's like, you're curious about something, whether it's exploring a new career field or volunteering or traveling or even pursuing a relationship, but we just let it go by. 
and then it comes back again and we let it go by. And so the fact that you said that like you just were open to just new experiences and opportunities and it's kind of led you here and really opened the door for your advocacy work. I mean, I think that's a big lesson for a lot of people. Have the discipline to follow your curiosity. See and where it leads you. Yep. And, you know, you said something the other day, Danny, in Clubhouse, and I didn't realize that I was doing it until you said it. Letting go of some of the outcomes. Yeah. Sometimes we're so tied to the outcome, we're afraid to try. And fear, I know fear has been, it has my, been my, my greatest weakness, and it has also been my champion. When I flip the fear and, and let it come back into working my faith and doing it afraid. Yes. You know, doing it afraid and hearing it enough times to do it afraid and having the, your iron sharpeners are so important. The people that speak life into you, whether, and, and they are count, you're accountable to who will, who will just really propel you and, and, and help you have self-compassion for yourself and have self-compassion for you and show you grace, you know? And sometimes we meet people along the way that come in and use us or utilize us in ways that we didn't expect. Mm -hmm. But then we have to understand even Jesus has a Judas and even Judas had a purpose. Right. Everybody has a purpose, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but all things can work together for your good. No, I but think it's your I, perspective. go ahead. No, I said, but it's your perspective. It is your perspective. And, and I, I really believe that your iron sharpeners and your coaches and mentors are very, very important. But I also realize that you have an inner champion. You have something in, inside of you. And you also have to be brave enough to take the information that they give you. You have to be brave enough to sit with the, um, the discomfort and the challenges and all of that and then do something different. And I think sometimes in life, we wait for somebody to come and save us. Like we wait, we're, we're, we're so into the weeds and we're, we can't get out of it. And we're just like, if someone could just come and make me happy, if I could just find the right partner, if, if this right person could come and just give me the, my, my dream job. But we have to understand that you have all the tools and resources you need. And we have to learn to sit with ourselves and to tap into the, to the inner strength that we have. And I say this all the time, we're all naturally curious, we're all naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And we can't tap into that until we can kind of just ease back out of a situation that we're in, and then we can tap into that. And I think it's important for people to understand that because I meet so many people that are just waiting for someone to save them or something to happen, and then they can take action. When you have everything you need, you just have to do something different. And I think that's, that's important. So it comes back to me. One of the things it comes back to is identity and understanding your joy, your joy, your joy cannot come from externally. People can affect your joy and, and can affect your peace. And I'm, and I'm learning to not let people affect my peace. I'm not successful totally at it yet, Yeah. but your peace, guard your peace and know that your joy has to start inward first. And, and anybody else, who comes into your life, let them be the icing on the cake. That's but right. you are your joy. You are your happiness. You are your peace. Even in the midst of all the struggle, if you don't realize that you are enough, and, and I know as I'm saying it, it is not always easy to do. I struggle with it we all, all do. the time. 
we all do. And I think this is where we have to be honest that it's not like because you and I are sitting here and we're talking motivationally or inspirationally and stuff like that. It doesn't work like that. You know, for those who, for those, for me, the word of God is just life for me. But in the word, it says, renew your mind daily. Right. So what that, so, but we, we recognize that no matter if you're doing motivational speaking, whether you're a Buddhist or whatever you are, a monk, they all know that the mind is the battlefield and you have to renew your mind and what you put into your mind, what you eat in your mind is what you're going to get out. And foundationally, we have not been teaching our young people enough how to renew their minds and stabilize their minds. And, you know, knowing something intellectually, but knowing it in your heart and knowing it as a belief will change how you do it. And if I really believed and understood the magnitude of this when my son was two and three, even though I knew his mind is a sponge and his brain is a sponge, but if I really understood, it's not just a concept, it's a truth that your brain, if I had actually gotten the teaching on the brain, how it changes, the neuroplasticity of the brain and how it changes when you have a negative thought to a positive thought and our brains can renew itself. I know I would have done some things differently. And so we have to, even right now in this moment, take the time and I say, mind your mind. You're going to start seeing me really speaking on this more, minding your mind. What is your mindset? What are you putting into your mind? And I say to anybody listening, do a mind fast, do a fast. What are you listening to? What are you speaking? What are you watching? And then what are you thinking about? Write it down. And, and even, you know, we could be talking something real positive right now, but is what I'm saying lining up to what I'm doing in the day? Because we can talk all the positive stuff that we like. That's right. But when we look at our outcomes, when we look at what's happening in our lives, like when somebody comes at you down the street and you, you're telling your kids, like, okay, I'm going to give you this real fun story and wrap this piece up. I remember telling my son, don't hit, right? Hitting's not nice. He must have been about three, four years old. And he did something and I tapped him on the hand. And he's like, but mom, you said don't hit. That's right. That's over. Right. It's as simple as that. I'm going to give you the simplest example that what you say and what you do, watch and see if it's lining up. If you did that for seven days and really checked yourself, are you, are you broke or are you temporarily out of cash? Hmm. The universe doesn't know what you're saying when you say you're broke. Right. You're just going to go out there and you have to recognize that it takes so long to change a negative thought into a positive thought. Six seconds it takes to receive a thought. Mm-hmm. People don't have to realize how that really affects. So over time, it changes the molecular structure of your mind. And you know this, your brain, you know this, Dan, you teach this. So it's so important that we understand that our minds and brains are connected and, and study it and understand it and renew our minds with our thinking daily, daily. That, that's what so do you good. want? Mind so, your mind. I love that. So what do you do to mind your mind? What, like, what do you do during the day to mind your mind? So in the beginning of my day, the, I, I don't look at emails first. I don't look at social media first. Now, somebody might see me like on my Facebook in the morning and think I'm on Facebook. But one of the things I listen to is a devotion at nine o'clock every morning. 
unless mm. I have something happening at night. But before I do that, when I get up, I get into my space of quiet and thankfulness, not just gratefulness, but thankfulness. And, you know, the prayer and, and reading over, and sometimes I falter, but I put an alarm on my phone because I'm getting a little older, Danny. So sometimes I forget, <laughs> right? And it's not because it's, it's sometimes it's ingrained in you and sometimes you just want to get out of the bed and, and uh, you know, as you get out of the bed, life changes. So reading those affirmations, sitting down and thinking about who do I want to affect today? What am I supposed to do this day? And I always, I'm always asking for wisdom. Mm-hmm. What do, what am I supposed to do in the time that I have today? And that whatever situation I'm coming into Sometimes I think about the situations and may I approach them with wisdoms and the conversation I have with wisdom. You know, Solomon didn't ask for money. He asked for wisdom. That's right. So that taught me that that was a bing bing. Because when you have wisdom, you can just about have everything. So I had to consciously and purposely and intentionally not just do it once in a while, but making sure now that this becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. Whereas before I was kind of like taking it for granted, like I'll do it. Hey, once here, once there, the consistency wasn't there. So I had to check my intention and what do I, and I have to yield to the process. Mm. I had to go to a new place of, of humility, humbling myself and say, if you want to do better for your own self, then for your son, then for your family, and then for who you're called to, you're really going to have to mind your mind. You're really going to have to start taking care of your health, your mental health, better than you have been. Then you're going to have to take care of your physical health better than what you have been. If you want to do, even have a better life tomorrow, not even five years from now, tomorrow than you did today. Hopefully that answers your question. No, but that's a difficult, no, that was really good. I mean, it's a difficult conversation to have with ourselves. And and that's why I make the distinction about a morning ritual and a morning routine. And people, I love yours. People interchange things all the time. They say, I don't agree. I mean, a routine are the things that you have to do. You have to get up. You got to shower. But it's not spiritually, mentally, physically heightening and, and taking your, your mind and your spirit to another level. What you're talking about is, you know, meditation, mantra, being thankful and being intentional. See, the difference between a routine and a ritual is a ritual is intentional. Mm-hmm. You have to just get up and shower. Those are things that, that, that are automatic. It's you big. have to yeah. do it. You don't yeah. even have to think about it. But when you, when, you, when you wake up, like you said, with intention, right, I think that's the difference. And I find that so many people are in tor- turmoil or they feel lost and they don't know what's next or they don't know what they're being called to do is because they don't have a ritual. They don't have something where they're tapping in to themselves and asking whatever they believe in for answers. You just jump out of bed and you're gone. Yeah. And then, yeah. and you know, like you said, the minute that you get out of your bed or the minute that you jump on social media or officially start your day, you have no control over anything. It goes because you go down, you go down the rabbit hole. And you know, and the other, the other thing is, for those especially getting older, you know, retiring or whatever it is, life, you still have life in you. You still have something to give. Right. And and it's it's renewing your day. How can how can what do I still have to offer? We know we're tired, 
We know that you've been doing stuff a long time. But again, I come back to the, to, to the, the fast, thinking about what you're saying. So many of us are saying we're zoomed out. Mm. Stop it. You're zoomed in. Right. Get zoomed in. Right, right, right. Because just saying zoomed out says it's a negative word. If I'm zoomed in, I'm going to be attentive. Yes. Okay. You know what? The light's bothering me. Okay. If the light's bothering you with the, with the thing, get the, the zoom glasses or get the screen for your computer. So many people were tired and, and complaining about going to work and they have to be in the traffic. Find the opportunity in the crisis. Find the opportunity for where you're at. I know every day is not going to be easy. Trust me. I know. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're like, I, like and, and then st- give yourself the grace. In, the, in, in minding your mind, give yourself the grace that this morning I had to give myself some self-compassion. And when I wasn't doing it, my body said to me, uh, but I'm going to make you give yourself some self-compassion. Right. I have to sit down for an hour. And I literally had to sit down for an hour and just do something different. Mm. How is your sleep pattern? Why is your sleep off? And don't blame anybody else. And it's so easy to blame, okay, it's my girlfriend, it's my wife, it's my mother, it's the this. No. How are you perceiving what's happening in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, I am so challenged. And, and as, I cha- as I'm challenged, I challenge myself. When people just want to look at the negative things in life, like I don't have this. I haven't, I haven't been able to hug somebody. I haven't been able to do this. What about, what about those people who have been serving in the army for years and they have to leave their families for a year sometimes too and not hug? That's right. I hope that in this crisis that people really come outside of themselves and look at others. So that time you take for self-pity or, and, and I, trust me, I know you can get the sadness, but look around you. There are people who are losing their loved ones mm-hmm. who, who, you know, there are people who are ill. So how you might be ill. What can I do in my own illness? What am I learning from my own challenges? What am I learning from my own mental wellness or illness that I can help others? Like for me, housing became a passion. When my son got into an accident, mental health became a, a passion because I'm like, I'm not going to let another family go through what I've been through mm-hmm. without using my advocacy ability to help. Right. We can sit in the mess and just be around a lot of mess, or we can sit in the mess and find a way to make it a message and make an impact and make a difference. No matter how tired you are, get those iron sharpeners back. You it will sharpen it. you when you're feeling dull, whether you're 20, you're 30, you're 60, or you're 70, because you still have something to do in your life once you have breath in you. The reason you woke up this morning is because you still have life mm-hmm. and your life matters. Your life is unique to you. So take a, a sailor moment, pause. And even if it means just to give someone a smile or to send someone a text or to say a prayer for someone or to write someone a letter that you don't know, become a pen pal. My God. Can we be pen pals again and write letters? Send a a note to someone in prison. Send a note to a mother in in sick kids or in a hospital. 
find something in your own community where you can make a difference. And that's the beauty of what I've loved at COVID, where some people have just seen the opportunities and, and feeding their neighbors and, and, and doing groceries for a senior. This is all part, Danny, of minding your mind, because when you start switching on and start doing stuff outside of yourself, your brain changes how it operates. Your thoughts start to change. Your habits start to change. And you start giving yourself life and you become the light in the earth that you're supposed to be. Whoa, there she said it. Wow. You be, that, you know, that's very powerful. And that's really great. And, you know, <laughs> one of the things, too, I, I really think that we have to understand is that when you're feeling when, when you're when you're feeling like you're in place, like you can't move anywhere. One of the best things you can do is be of service to other people. That's, that's what we're it. here for. That's the it. whole reason that you're here is to be of service to someone else. And so when you're trying to figure things out, get out there and help somebody. When you feel like the world is against you, get out there and help someone. During this time in COVID, when you're just feeling overwhelmed and stressed and anxious and depressed, and you can't seem to get out of it, help someone else. That's what we're meant to do. And I love the fact that you said that because sometimes you realize so much about yourself when when you decide to extend a hand to someone else, things that you never knew. Things you never knew yep. that you just unlock these these little um, vaults in your brain, and you're like, "Wow!" Like you said, these these new triggers and neurons start to fire, and you're like, "Wow!" This is this you, you realize new things about yourself that you never knew. Go back and, to the things you love. Did you like to paint? Did you ever wanted to write a book? Did you doodle? Do do something. Do right. cook a you know find some new recipes. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And and, and so. You know, I know you've told me about this before. I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but you, you, you mentioned that your son was in an accident and that's how you kind of got into, you know, really mental health and all that kind of stuff. Do you, you want to talk about that or no? Well, I'll, I'll just say this a little bit. Um, we have to advocate for uh, the Black community in particular in the healthcare system. Um, my son had a bike accident in 2015 and he was riding his bike got doored flipped over hit his head they took him to the hospital no one called me no one called an advocate wow um and they knew he hit his head so even if he said no you should not have released him they released him the same night and to later find out he had a traumatic brain injury he had, he had broken his face playing football when he was in grade nine in three places, like it's in the shape of a heart. Wow. So it's kind of like bothered him, but it, you know, over the years, but it's, it's healed. I mean, he's had operations and stuff, but this accident re-injured that. So he left the hospital in shock. So, you know, when the shock happens, so he went home and, and he was, he was living with his best friend and re-injured his face. Um, Later, we figured, we realized that he had um, uh, torn his rotator cuff. He had uh, ligaments in his, his leg that he had torn. Wow. And he left the, the hospital with so many injuries. And it took us months to figure. We didn't understand what was, ha- was happening. Um, the first month, he went into psychosis. So this is what propelled me into the mental health facility. But the psychosis disguised some of what he was feeling. Right. So until we started to come down to what was, what was going on, 
not knowing that he had all these injuries. And when you just think of a torn rotator cup, if you don't deal with that in a particular space of time, there is no operation that you can have. No. So you're looking at an athlete right. who no longer could be an athlete, at least right away, you know? And so when I look at this, when I look at um, just learning the, the process and, and the challenges when you have to deal with the healthcare system and you're advocating, I said, no, I, I, can't, I can't just go through this for myself. I have to make sure that as I learn, I teach. Mm -hmm. And as I learn, I reach. And so it has propelled me into this new place as I think of my own mental health and knowing what he's gone through and looking at, and as I learn of other people's stories, you know, it's, it's so challenging. And when we talk about mental health and illnesses, um, our loved ones end up having, they have to tell the stories themselves because of the stigma. Because so many people uh, stigmatize people, but by their mental health. Yes. Or, you know, and, and in some ways, again, I'm glad for COVID. Guess what COVID did? What? COVID allowed people to understand anxiety and depression. That's right. That's what COVID did. Yeah. And whereas people were criticizing those who felt depressed, people saying you should just think yourself well. I'm like, really? You think you can just think yourself? Even though I'm talking about minding your mind, that's, that's being proactive. Mm -hmm. That's not even in the, because that's a whole nother stuff. When you have not been taking care of your mindset and you start going down the rabbit hole, there are times you're going to need the, the serious counseling. You may need not more than a life coach. You may need medication because when you have, when your brain has changed or depending on what your illness is, you're going to need some deeper care. Right. And so, and we also don't realize too, that young people, this is, this is an interesting fact that many people don't know that a lot of young people, um, if they smoke, Cannabis has its, has its two things. It's THC and CBD. But if you don't know what the THC levels in cannabis is, young people smoking cannabis with high THC levels can, can make them bipolar or schizophrenic right. in a day. Yep. In a day. I didn't know it was a day, but wow. Listen, in one day. it can happen like this because it's a drug, right? CBD use, be used for pain. And I think people have to also, and I say, I bring about the cannabis because when we talk about the mental health system and mental illnesses and our, and our black youth, we see a lot of them, but they don't know it starts happening. The changes starts happening and then they start manifesting and, and, and the change. And a lot of, a lot of our young people are in the criminal justice system because they had an undiagnosed illness right? and nobody addressed it. So when I start getting back into the system and knowing it, I'm like, nope, nope. I, I can't, I can't sit here and know what I know and, mm -hmm. and not be an advocate. So that's kind of like outside of housing. I did, I was advocating for housing for 20, 26 years. Wow. Affordable housing. Jeez. So, you know, and those are, I mean, both of those causes, you know, affordable housing and housing. They're linked. They're linked. And, then, and then you're talking about mental health. And I mean, the first thing is, you know, thankfully, um, your son is alive because, you know, those accidents, you know, I, that accident could have been, you know, a whole different ball game. It's yeah. changed his life, but it's a whole different ball game. Right. And so like how, that's a lot. That's a lot. You're doing a lot. You know, how do you manage that? Like, how do you manage all of these things that you're doing? Like, you know, um, your son and, and, and being an advocate for these different things. How do you manage all of these things? One with God first. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to repeat it again. The iron yeah. sharpeners. 
And actually the advocacy helps me Mm -hmm. because I'm not in a helpless position. I'm not staying in victim mode, right? I'm not staying in it. To me, it, it, it's helping me, um, be a part of the solutions to the problems that I face. Right. And so if my voice is going to make a difference and I'm recognizing, it took me a long time to, to really appreciate that my voice was making a difference. Hmm. Um, it took me a long time to, to listen to what people were saying. No, Nicole, your voice matters. You know? Um, and I, and I, and I come from it from a place of heart um, and not from just a place of intellect. I don't have these 10,000 degrees. I, that's not me. I, yeah. I, come to, I come to people with lived experience or being around people with lived experience. And I, I just think it's just part of my makeup. Right. Um, there are a lot of hard days. I am not going to lie. Mm-hmm. They're the days of the crying. They're the days where I can't move. They're the days where I've, I've just had it. But then again, somebody comes along and says, nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've rested. You've had your cry. You've had your shower. Right. You know? Take your vitamins. Um, here's a meal. Some, you know, somebody might send me my favorite thing, which is flowers. I, I need. I love to have fresh flowers or a fresh plant in the house all the time because nice. I need to have life around me. Flowers are my favorite thing. So it's it's those little things, um, and remembering that you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Not that I want to eat elephant, but <laughs> as a big animal, you can only eat it. If you had to eat an elephant, you could only eat it one bite at a time. And and recognizing that. This is what I can do. And if what I can do adds up to what Danny can do and to what Trudy can do and to what, you know, Jonathan can do and to what Jay Martin can do. Imagine, you know, when we all come together with the one intent for healing of our mind, body, soul, and spirit, what a beautiful place we can be. My anchor is love. Mm. That's what my anchor is. I was created to motivate, enlighten, and empower individuals in their purpose. And no matter how many times I've tried to pull away from it, Danny, I'm telling you, when you look back over life and you see the dots where you've been, and not that I'm, not that I'm half a century old, I like to put it like that, not that I'm half a century old <laughs> and, a, and a couple, um, I look back and I look at the people that I've met, the people that I've worked with. See, I may not be a child psychologist now, but I'm, I'm in the role of life coaching, right? Mm-hmm. I may not be a child psychologist, but I got to work with people like Dr. Phil, like with Robin Sharma. I, wow. I got to meet, you know, sit with Dr. Miles Monroe wow. and, and just glean. So when I look at those people, you know, they may not remember me now, but I remember the encounter, mm-hmm. right? I, I remember being in the Bahamas with Dr. Miles Monroe and Les Brown at his leadership conference at, all the leaders from all around the world, all they wanted to do was give life. They didn't care about if Nicole had a million or if everybody in that room wanted to give life. And that was a bing, bing moment for me. That was when I said, yeah, the give back people who wanted to just give back just because they wanted you to be the best you can be. Right. And if that was a gift that was given to me, if I can give that gift to others, then I would be really selfish if I didn't. And now that I understand that this is my superpower. Well, you got it. Years ago, I didn't understand. This was my superpower. You got to use those powers. Once you you realize, but once you realize you're obligated, you're obligated to activate 
and, and to continue to use those powers. There's something about once you realize, like you, you can't, because if you don't, it's going to just eat at you. Yeah, I know people that have a lot of regret about things that they should have done. And really, there were things about using their gift and their superpower to help other people. And when you don't, it just eats away at you. You're obligated to activate. And um, man, it's so great that you had that opportunity. So w- would you say that that like, would that was that like a highlight or, or one of your victory sort of moments? Like, what would you say? Was that like a, a major victory moment for you? Or oh, do you have yeah. another one? There've been so many victory moments. And, I, and I'll say one thing that Dr. Miles Monroe said, when you die, you want to die empty, right? But one of my victory moments, not but, however, one of my other victory moments was, and this is where the affirmation piece you talk about, Danny, comes in, okay? Yeah. So there's this doctor that's been on the circuit for a long time, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a neuroscientist. Uh, she, she's one of the first in neuroplasticity that really correlates the, 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 the brain to how it changes. Um, and I remember seeing her one day on TV and this is before she blew up. Okay. And she was on this show and she was talking about when you have dark thoughts, your brain changes, it co- creates a dark matter and da, 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 da. It's like, man, I want to meet her, man. It's one person I want to meet. I buy her books, you know, read, listen to her and stuff like that friend of mine said one day, um, we're going to do a conference. And this was actually one of the things uh, they said to me, Nicole, we want to do a talk show. We want you to be the talk show host. So we went oh, up wow. to Niagara Falls. Okay. We, we, we taped 12 episodes. We started a conference. They started a conference called the Truth Conference. And it was fabulous. And they got her to come and speak the second, the second year of the conference. And I got to introduce this woman that I have been reading about for years. And I literally said to her, this was my introduction. Like, I can't believe I'm actually standing, introducing the person that I have admired for so long and talked about to everybody for so long. And here I was introducing her on the stage. And then afterwards, she speaks into my life. And that to me still sits with me today. Now, when I look at her on the stage and, you know, Everybody's talking about her. T.D. Jakes is talking about her. Oprah's, Oprah's talking about her. And I was like, wow. Just that one moment in time. And funny, Danny, I've worked with, I don't get celebrity struck and I've worked with a lot of celebrities. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much to prove it except my resume. I've never <laughs> asked them for autographs. Um, the one autograph I do have is from Dr. Phil. And it's because his son said, you know, Jay said, Nicole, come here. And signed my shirt the, the, the first time I ever worked with them. And I was like, okay, that's the only autograph that I have. <laughs> celebrities I, 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 you know, I, I have met along the way. But Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and now even now she's just written a new book. And I'm going back and I've, I'm like, I'm joining the book club because I have to really understand more about the brain. That this, mm. even, even the medical world is understanding more about the brain yeah. and how our brain and our mindset works. And so for me, that was a victory moment. And it's a full circle moment that right now, here I am again, walking in. And she said to me, watch the next 70 years. And I'm in that midst of the seven years that she said to me. And so I'm walking in it. And I'm I'm just so grateful because when when you spoke about mantras and, and, and having the affirmations and it's a belief, what sets it apart is, is saying it but not believing it. Right. Not getting the vision for it. 
and then walking out the intention for it and recognizing that you need to transform through it, right? And in the midst of it, you have to have people who will be, give you, you know, you have to, even for your own self, celebrate you, ovation. You must mm-hmm. have that ovation part of you, right? That's right. And then, and then the, uh, the, the rest- restoration happens. And then as you yield to the process and you humble yourself to your vision, you will see everything come together and then you will walk in the victory. Yes. I so love your V that. is your vision. Your I is your intention. Your C is your cultivation. Your T is your transformation. Your O is when your ovation is. Your Y is your yielding to the process. Mm. And so it, it takes, it, you really have to just really sit down and, and say, you know what? You're never too old to learn. And the day you stop learning is the day that you're walking in a level of pride that will hinder you from going to your higher self. That's so good. You know, I, I, you want to, I, I love that. And I think it's about, you know, that's why I say don't get tied to the outcome. Yeah. Because the outcome doesn't look the way that you expect it. I, I often talk about, I say you have to raise a bar, this acronym, A-B-A-R. Raise your level of what you're asking for. Right. Raise your level of believing that it's going to come. Raise your level of taking action to get mm. it. Because people think that the way that um, the secret works is you sit back and you do nothing. No, raise your level of taking action towards what you want. And then the, la- the last one, the R, raise your level and intention around receiving. Mm. And that's always the biggest challenge. Right there. Because it never comes the way you expect. And so you like, Okay, I um uh, I know that I need a hundred thousand dollars to get out of debt, and it doesn't come in a hundred thousand dollar stack in your mailbox. Come on and now. So, but you might have all of these different financial opportunities or an opportunity to work with this person that's 50, 70. You might get a raise in your job, but you still don't see it. And it's not until you don't get tied to the outcome and you step back and you allow things to happen. That you're that these things start to come to you, and that's exactly what happened with you, right? Like you, you put this in. You're reading, um, Doctor um, Carolyn uh, Leaf. Carolyn Dr. Leaf's Leaf. books. You're reading her books. You're like you're, you're really kind of in, engaged and immersed in the work that she's doing and what she's talking about. And then what happens? You have an opportunity to meet her and introduce her, right? It wouldn't have happened the way that you wanted. If you would have set this intention, like, I need to meet her. I want to sit down with her. We need to talk for 25, 30 minutes. So sometimes we have to raise a bar, raise your level of asking, believing, action, and the receiving part. Receive it. Come out with that pure heart. Like, I'm going to throw this at you right now. You just said something about, you know, the opportunity. How you phrase it. I just love this bar. I love the bar acronym. Like when I met Dr. Miles Monroe, that's my next victory moment. Okay. So you're talking about expectation. Dr. Miles Monroe was one of my heroes. Right. And still is. He mentored me from afar. I didn't know him. And I, I every book, I'm, it was one of my iron sharpeners who introduced me to Dr. Miles Monroe. Gave right. me the book. She would always give me a book on my birthday. That's her. Oh, that's she nice. always gave me a book. Sherma would always give me a book in my birthday. So she introduced me to Dr. Miles Monroe, his teachings. And so I would listen and learn and da-da-da-da, and I'm gleaning. And I, I, I can't remember what was happening that year, but I was having a hard year. And one of my good friends, Jay, 
I went back. I had, I sat out of church. I, I, I had taken a hiatus. I went back and that Sunday, she says, um, church was over. She says, come here. I'm like, okay. There's all these people just gathered around me, Danny. And she said, we're sending you to the Bahamas. I said, what? We're sending you to the Bahamas and you're going to go to Dr. Miles Monroe Leadership Summit, his conference. They bought me a ticket. One of the, el- the same, the same uh, one of the elders who was like my, my godmother, she bought me, um, she's like, okay, you're going to have this. What do, you, what do you need? My other girlfriend bought me a brand new suitcase. Wow. This one gave me clothes. I, didn't, I, didn't, I asked for nothing. My girlfriend, I stayed at her aunt's house who was an intercessor in his church. Like she was like one of the key prayer warriors in his church. And so all I had to do was pack my little clothes, go on a plane and sit and glean. No, but here's the caveat to that story. So that was the victory moment. Here's what you have to be mindful. One of the things you have to be mindful of, and I know you're going to teach from this. You're going to, you're going to help me unpack this one day that I came back with lots of tools, but I came back into the same environment and I had no one to help me cultivate what I had learned. My lesson was I was supposed to stay tied in to what I had just learned. But you know me, as I said, change is hard for me. Meeting new people is hard for me. But I met a lot of great people. And those great people, let me tell you, they were personally mentored by Dr. Monroe, like personally. But they're still friends with me today. But I missed that moment, that opportunity, because I went back into what was comfortable. And I was afraid. I let the fear of what was new hinder me from going to the next level. Mm -hmm. But grace. Mm-hmm. This is grace. Mm-hmm. Me starting my show is grace because that was a moment that yes, things happened and there was a pause. And so I could sit down and stay for a while, you know, the regret and the, the sadness of not doing this. But now I recognize there were so many lessons learned. And now I have to recognize what were the lessons I learned in that moment that is that propelled me into here that is helping me in this, in this place that even though you may miss a moment, it doesn't mean that, that you've missed it all. And that's one of the key lessons in that victory moment that is a different level of victory for me now. Uh, that's so good. That's, that's really good. Um, it's a really good lesson. I heard somebody say once that opportunities are like uh, buses. You miss one, there's another, the, the same opportunity or another opportunity is coming right behind that. And if you miss that one, there's another one. And I think sometimes we're not in a place, we get information and we get knowledge or there's an opportunity that we miss. And, and even when we do take advantage of it, like you, that was an amazing opportunity that, you know, your church provided for you and your brothers and sisters, but you get the information and you're not in a place to apply it because you have still have to grow through some other things. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the information and everything that you learned at that retreat and everything you learned since then, I suspect that it's right on time with the victory speaks. Yeah. And so sometimes we think that we're ready for something and we're not. 
And that's why I say don't get tied to the outcome because there have been yeah. times where I thought, man, why aren't I at this level with my speaking or why aren't I at this level with my coaching or so-and-so has so many followers. How, they're not even that great. And I start saying all of these things to diminish somebody else yeah. when it's really like, I'm not ready. I might think I'm ready, but I'm not. I have your to listeners do it. aren't ready or right. your listeners, those right. who are, those who are called to hear you, Danny may still be in that place where they're being cultivated to tune in to the frequency of your voice. That's right. That's right. And so I learned to step back and say, you know what? I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. The people yeah. who are following me, listen to me, my, my coaching clients, the, the audience I speak to, I'm in the right place with the right people at the right time. Yeah. I'm in the right place with the right people at the right time. And I think a lot of us, once we understand that, then you don't have to worry about forcing things. I really need to make this happen because you just let go. You let go. But in letting go, what you realize is it's uncomfortable. You yes. have to get uncomfortable to change, to shift and to grow. You can't grow in comfortable zones. And you realize this, right? And and like you think about the things that you've done in the last year. I mean, <laughs> like in one year, the amount of yeah. growth that you like starting a podcast, amazing conversations, all the advocacy work, you know, getting all comfortable with doing all these things online. That's a lot. But the problem is we don't acknowledge ourselves for the journey for for expanding and growing. We take it for granted. Oh, because you've done it that because you started this a year ago. It's like, oh, I, I just take it for granted now. No. no, a year ago, you wouldn't even have done this, right? That's so right. I think we have, to, we have to remember to reward ourselves for getting uncomfortable, for the growth, for the making it through the challenges, give ourselves some grace when we need to. And that's what I was thinking about when you were, when you were saying that. All of that kind of came to me, but I just felt like saying it because <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> This is how we learn and we grow. And I love the way, as as some as some people would say, I don't I don't like the word, but conversate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Conversating. So we're gonna wrap up in a couple minutes here, but man, this has been a really great conversation. I, I want to thank you for all of your openness and being honest. I got a couple more questions for you. Um, you've already mentioned some of these things, but I know right now there's people who are listening who are feeling stuck, feeling left behind, feeling lost. They don't know what's next. Maybe they're moving through a challenging time and they don't know how to get through it. What advice would you give somebody right now who's kind of in that place? First, I'd say, give yourself some self-compassion, some grace. Um, I know it's hard and it feels hard. I know you can even feel like you don't even want to be here. What does my life matter? Am I merely making a difference? And I challenge you to write down just one thing. Just like, you know, as Danny was, we were sharing my story, like what I did last year. And if you can't find it for yourself, find someone that you trust. Find an iron sharpener in your life who can speak life into you and remind you of who you are. Because sometimes we forget that our life makes a difference. The fact that you're, you're breathing here today, you got to remember it, it, it really makes a difference. And if, if, if you are feeling so depleted, know if you have to even go to the doctor, 
not just about to even take a blood test to say, where are my B12 levels? Sometimes you got to do some practical things. Where's my vitamin D levels? Is my iron low? Because sometimes it could be that chemical makeup in your body that is off. Yep. Where, you know, some people say, go take a walk. I'm like, it's cold outside people. I ain't going to take a walk. <laughs> okay. I'm just keeping it real with you. Um, but really give yourself from, some grace. And one of the things I started doing this year was, it wasn't the grateful journal. It was the grateful box. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing is ev- at the end of every week, got to set the alarm on your, in your, on, your, on your phone or wherever you have it, because you'll forget. And I write down some of the things that I accomplished that week. And think of the 1% rule. If you did one thing today that you set out to do, and then you add that to tomorrow and to tomorrow, you did five great things that week, even if it meant it was washed into the dishes or combing your hair or putting on some makeup. What some people may take as a big thing, it might be a small thing, but it's what's good for you. My thing that I say and I believe now and understand more than ever is this. Everybody wants to win, but I really believe victory is not in the win. Your victory, my victory, our victory comes when we cross the finish line as our best selves. And better yet, don't look at it as a race where it's, a, it's, it's that marathon where, you know, it's a 100-meter race. Look at it as a marathon that when I do my leg, I give the baton to Danny. When he's finished his leg, he gives his to Trudy. When Trudy's finished, and, and, and it goes on and on. And as one person finishes their leg, we'll all cross the finish line together. So once we each one teach one, each one reach one. And once you do that, and as you said, Danny, it's a life of service. Look outside of yourself. The biggest thing that you can do for yourself is look outside of yourself. And even think of, your, of somebody in that same situation as you and say, I understand that pain, whether it's a mother who's lost a, a child or whatever it is, how can I be of service to that person? How can I make that person's life better? Even if it's just a smile, you need to smile to yourself and then you need to learn to love yourself. And I challenge anybody listening, if you, you, if you can go in that mirror and look at yourself and say, Nicole, I love you. Look at yourself and tell yourself you love you. See where you're at in your own love mode. What's your own love on a scale of one to 10? Are you, where are you on the scale of your love, of your love fest of yourself? And start learning how to love yourself. And if you can't do it by yourself, get someone else along the way who will really tell you the truth and help you recognize the beauty of who you are and the uniqueness of who you are. And embrace your identity, that you are enough and you matter for where you are in your life, in the space that you're in. Wow. (laughs) You dropped a lot. You know, you are enough. Love yourself. See the beauty inside of you. Wow, that was a lot. I love that. Is there anything that I haven't asked you? I have two final questions, but is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want me to ask you? Not really. (laughs) <laughs> you're terrified you're like uh no no because <laughs> i could you know i i think something I up um okay two final questions that i ask everybody what does it mean what does grind mean to you 
what grind or hustle, what does that mean to you? And it's funny when you, when I think of grind, I don't know. I think of coffee. <laughs> that, that's okay. <laughs> it's whatever comes to your mind. I, you know, that's, <laughs> I think the grind is, you know, the pressing through. I think the grind is like, you know, the, the printing press. I think the grind is like the grape press when you have to make the wine. I think the grind is like, you know, when you need the, the olive oil, you know, it has to be pressed. The olive has to be pressed in order for the, the best oil to come out. Mm. That's the grind. And it's going to take some pain, but not, but because, but cancel is out, cancel is out. So I'm going to correct myself. There is pain in the grind. Then you find your perspective in the grind. It will bring you to your purpose and then you'll know where to pivot. Mm. Mm. I love it. And last question. What is, what does gratitude mean to you? You know, that's a really interesting question because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine recently, the difference between gratitude and grateful, gratitude and being thankful. And she said, gratitude brings you with the butt. I'm grateful because I have this, but there's something that you, there was a butt, but thankfulness keeps you in the moment. So I'm moving from a place of just being gratitude, grateful, and moving into a place of thankfulness and being in the now. I am I'm grateful for what I have. But I says, well, what, what didn't I have? I am thankful that I'm alive. Mm. Okay. I am thankful for the breath that I have in me today. However, I can recognize my gratefulness comes from the, the understanding of recognizing where I was and recognizing where I am now. So I'm learning to be grateful. And to be thankful. I have to bring the two together now. She challenged me and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, she changed renewing of the minds and you have to be open. You have to be open to the, to the, the possibilities of new thinking. Wow. That, I mean, I love it. I love it. Nicole, that was so great. Thank you so much. Let people know where they can find you or follow you. Oh, well. That's pretty easy, I hope. Uh, so Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And I'm trying to build my YouTube channel. Um, putting all my shows there. Uh, my interviews there. My inspired conversations. So it's Victory Speaks with an S7. And then what I've also done is um, I have the Victory Speaks podcast, which is different than the show. And so the podcast is built on helping you to live an inspired life, and it gives you the tool and you get the victory formula. You hit a little bit about, about it when I was speaking and that you can catch on Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere you can find a podcast. So it's victory speaks, um, on, on, on those platforms and on my Facebook, it's well, couldn't get victory speak seven. So I got victory speak 77. Hey, <laughs> double it up. All so, right. That's how you can find me. So make sure that you follow Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much. Really great conversation. You dropped a lot of nuggets here. I think people are going to want to listen to this at least two or three times. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Can and I say thank you, Danny? Can I say thank sure. you, Coach Stone? Sure. I just, I just want to say thank you, Coach Stone, because let me tell you, people, if, you're, if, you're, if this is your first time listening to the coach, make it the first of many. Um, He's, he's a, he's a dream shaper. You know, he is a man who has heart 
and I love the mission that he and his wife are doing. They like this, this, they, they, they balance each other out. And, um, and he is, he is what you hear. There's no, there's no fluff. <laughs> what you see is what you get. So, um, be sure to follow him, tune into him, buy his book. And I know I have benefited from a person who is standing in the truth of who they are and your humility and your willingness to want people to do better shines true in everything that you do. So I am so honored and I am humbled and in awe. This conversation was yet one of my victory moments. Wow. Thank you so much. Those are really kind words. So thank you. She tried to make me tear up, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, darn it. <laughs> no, thank you so much again, Nicole. I really, really appreciate it. And, and everybody who's tuning in, make sure you follow her. And, and again, I, I really, really appreciate everybody who takes any time to listen to these episodes. I always try to bring you amazing guests. I'm always trying to give you practical things that you can do right now to help you to level up your life and your business. So again, thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for being my co-host on this episode of the Grind and Gratitude Show. I really appreciate you. I hope that you learned something and you're motivated to take action and get on your grind. Didn't that go by fast? If you want more, head over to grindandgratitude.com for show notes and more information about this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a rating so more people will tune in. And let me say this, there's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it.